2: and good morning football fans we've got another edition week two underway with birds 365 here on the jacob's media youtube channel for those of you who linked in on phillyvoice.com we appreciate it hope you enjoy a little football with your coffee and your cereal as we get week two underway it would be the Mac and Mac guys. yours truly Jody McDonald along with my partner, John McMullen. JM, how was your weekend? Oh, it's pretty
3: good, Jody. A little WrestleMania Saturday and Sunday, both days. Uh, you know, had some uh uh issues with a guest, but I'll get by it. It's a dark, it's a dark
2: morning. It's uh
3: <laughs> it's overcast, it's rainy, but we
2: got birds 365 to get us through it. I was going to comment on the uh, darkness slash weather that we're having. I, like you, got my dog out this morning before I hopped on the stream here. It felt like a day to get ready for some football because yeah, it, really did. it was fall weather. Yeah. This, th- th- today's weather is supposed to happen the last week of October. Not uh, here in the second week of April. Doesn't feel like spring. It feels like fall, which means we should have a good show today, or I'm just overly optimistic. We shall see how it plays out over the next two hours. All right, when you said I got guest issues, I thought maybe you had somebody over the house for WrestleMania, but you're talking about the show. Uh, You watch WrestleMania by yourself, the wife sit in with you. How do you do no, your no. viewing of WrestleMania? The,
3: the wife is thrilled on WrestleMania weekend because she knows she'll get rid of me for a, <laughs> a good chunk of the uh, the weekend, and she can do what she wants. So, no, she is not interested at all. She looks at me with those cross eyes. She's like, "What the hell are you doing? What the hell is this?" No matter what, I've been watching it. You know, since the day we met, I love it. You know, she'll never, she'll never get it. So.
2: Yeah, I gotta, I gotta work with that. How about you? Yeah, same thing. My wife has no interest whatsoever. And the funny thing about it is, my daughter, who uh, just within the past year moved out of the house, uh, and she and I had been sharing my uh, man cave down here in the basement. She really likes boxing. My daughter is a fan of boxing, and whenever we'd get a pay-per-view fight, she thought that was the greatest thing in the whole world, that you could pay for a fight and have it delivered directly to your house. So when they'd have mega fights, we'd shell out the money for it. She and I would sit down, and I told her, hey, if you're going to watch boxing, you have to score every round. You have to watch it as if you're the judge, because if it goes to the cards afterwards, you got to be able to say they got it right or got it wrong. And she and I would both get out a piece of paper and the like. Uh, and have a great time watching major boxing matches. I tried to get her into wrestling. Yeah, it just didn't work. She wanted no part of it. It's not pay-per-view. It's not anything special. What do you mean you know who's going to win ahead of time? What do you mean we can't make a pick on it? That, uh, and just too much. So, yeah, I, I like you. watch my wrestling solo and did over the weekend. All right, let's get the critique out of the way, John McMullen. Uh, as a fan and a, a knowledgeable observer, how would you say WrestleMania 37 performed?
3: Better than my green screen. So I want to apologize there. I'll fix that during the break. But nonetheless, um, I, I thought the show was good overall, Jody. So um, I do think, and you mentioned bets. You know, you can bet on wrestling now. They have they have odds on the sports book. Uh, what I'm trying to get to, though, you're trying to get, you know, people into wrestling so you know who's going to win. Well, guess what? If you bet the favorite. And Drew McIntyre, Bobby Lashley, you took a bath. Yeah. I mean, Drew McIntyre was heavily favored. But I thought he was going to win. He didn't win, Bobby Lashley. So Vince McMahon always has those curveballs for you. I thought Saturday night, I thought the the ladies knocked it out of the park, uh, Bianca Belair, Sasha Banks. Sunday, same thing with the men, the main event, Roman Reigns, Roman Reigns' edge, uh, Daniel Bryan, phenomenal. Uh In between, you had good and bad, but you always do.
2: Yeah, you're an easier grader than I am. I thought the main match was a disappointment. I don't think it needed to be a triple threat match. Well, I agree
3: with that. I don't like triple
2: threats. But and, and, what and it was, you knew range was going to win. You're right. There were a couple of surprises in there. So by the time they got to the final match, Daniel Bryan had no chance to win. They put him in just maybe to rile up the crowd a little bit. It was going to be edge of Roman Reigns and most likely Roman Reigns. And that's exactly the way that it played out. It was a good match as far as activity goes, but it was not surprising at the end. So I didn't think that was all that great. Here was my big take. Saturday was better than Sunday. And I think I understand TV production a little bit. You want to build to a crescendo and finish as strongly as possible. Well, they were kind of handicapped in doing that because they put together a uh, final match, uh, prime time match, that wasn't going to work any way you sliced it. I actually thought Saturday was better than Sunday. The cards on Saturday and the matches were better. And I think the Bianca Belair-Sasha uh, Banks match might be as good a women's match as I've ever seen.
3: Yeah, I thought well, it certainly delivered. I mean, you can make arguments. There was Sasha Bailey. I think that's the best women's match ever from Brooklyn. That first Takeover card, which I don't know if you're an NXT fan, but you know that's. Uh, I think that's the best women's match ever. the The one in Dallas with Charlotte, where Charlotte Flair won the triple threat. But again, I'm with you. I don't necessarily like triple, triple threats. Threat. I like I like one on one. So. It's in the conversation, I will say that, as being uh, the best women's match of all time. You know what I think Sunday the problem was? They started out with the two worst matches. And you knew they were going to be the two worst matches on paper. You're a fan to The Fiend. I think he is the worst. I'm saying this right now, Jody. The worst main event character in WWE history. Really? Think about all that. Think about all that history i think he is just awful he never delivers you know people forget bray wyatt and randy orton wrestled before wrestlemania it was awful and it isn't randy orton's fault because that guy can go so do the math
2: i like the fiend i think it's a good character um and i think it's been handled quite well and i Uh no, I said on the weekend. Uh, I didn't know if I said it last week at you you here on Birds 365. Alexa Bliss is a wrestler who I've never liked. I always thought she was so blatantly overrated and they gave her such a big push. And I didn't think she was a great wrestler. I don't think she's great on the mic. She sure as hell didn't deserve her own show to be able to sit down and talk to other wrestlers and extend storylines. But I think she's been great in this character. Acting has been on point. Uh, I just think she's been phenomenal. The stunt that they pulled with her on this weekend, I got no idea what it means. Where do we go from here? What does no, the mean? That's
3: the beauty of pro wrestling, and that's what people don't get. There's no season. There's no off season. It's Monday night, man. It's 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 a soap opera for, for men. So people who don't understand that part of it, The story never ends.
2: We may get uh, some resolutions tonight on Raw if you're so moved. All right, Uh, we got our WrestleMania talk out of the way. Johnny Mac and I, both big wrestling fans, Uh, we'll do football for the rest of the show. That's a promise for you here on Birds 365. No major moves in the National Football League, certainly nothing done by the Eagles over the weekend, but... Uh, I did follow a couple of major contributors, uh, writer-wise, and guys who uh, covered the league uh, week in and week out. One is uh, one of your guys at Sports Illustrated, Peter King. The other one is Mike Florio at uh, Pro Football Talk. He's still beating the drum for the Eagles having interest in Deshaun Watson. That uh, Joe Banner, Mr. Wheeler dealer, he's ca- kind mm. of laying in the weeds now. Man. Howie Rose. What I say, Joe Banner? Joe Banner. I, got Joe I wonder Banner why you said Joe Banner. I got Joe. Joe Banner on the brain. My bad. Yeah. Uh, Howie Roseman, Mr. Wheeler dealer, um, is just waiting to do something to shock the world and grab the NFL's attention. And he suggested that a trade for Deshaun Watson is still a possibility. While I think the Eagles inquired, while I do believe there were a lot of teams that saw what Deshaun Watson could or couldn't get on the open market if he were to be traded, we need to stop. I just don't believe that that can be a conversation right now. Deshaun Watson can't be dealt with as many lawsuits as there are against him, with the NFL investigating, with the commissioner's list, the possibility, which is basically if you want the player to play, the worst thing that can happen for an NFL team because you have to pay him and he can't play. How how do we even consider the possibility of Deshaun Watson being traded to the Philadelphia Eagles? or anyone else for that matter, Johnny Mac?
3: Well, I don't think you can. I think you're right. But I but I do want to say, Jody, that, you know, people kind of jump on Mike Florio for whatever reason. They don't like the guy. Uh, a lot of people don't. They jump on him for aggregation. They jump on him for the fact that he's become sort of, you know, heavy-handed when he's handing out advice or whatever on social media. Whatever. I, I will say this, you know, it's not about Mike Florio. He's not the only one that has been saying this. It, it first came from Jason Lock and Four of CBS. It came from Aaron Wilson, who's really plugged in in Houston. And, oh, by the way, lost his job, Jody, for talking on WEEI about this situation and about the realization that he kind of believes Deshaun Watson's take on things. But nonetheless... Mike Florio is hardly the first person that brought this up in the Philadelphia Eagles. I've heard it behind the scenes. Be When there's smoke in this league, there's fire, but you're right. The part you're right about is nothing can happen right now. So the Eagles are keeping their head to the ground. And this is, by the way, that's just Howie Roseman, the way he does business and the fact that, He's always going to, to keep the, the the avenues of communication open in case something happens. I'll go back to Alshon Jeffrey. Now, when Alshon Jeffrey was a free agent, Jody, um, he was coming out of Chicago. He had some issues. He had a PED suspension, a lot of injuries. But he thought he was going to get $15, $17 million a year on the open market on multiple seasons. Well, the Eagles weren't going to be involved in that. Ultimately, you got a better offer from Minnesota. Eagles said, hey, you know what? Come here. We'll give you a one-year deal. We'll take care of you if you perform. He did perform in the Super Bowl season, not maybe as much as people had expected. He did sign the big long-term deal after that, which didn't work out from the Eagles' end. But nonetheless, the fact that Howie Roseman kept those avenues open And the market wasn't what Alshon Jeffrey thought. The Eagles got back into it. That's a similar thing. It's not pre-agency. It's the trade market. But look, they have everything they need in 2022 with the three potential first-round picks. They'll have plenty of money after taking the dead money in the Carson Wentz situation this year. And they'll be in position to move if Deshaun Watson is capable of playing the NFL. But that's a big if. That is a very big if right now.
2: Right. And I know people think that if this deal is going to get done, it needs to get done before the draft, which we're getting dangerously close to. By the way, Rick Saratella, NFL Draft Bible, is going to join us uh, less than 10 minutes from now. We'll talk all things NFL Draft with Ricky. Um, It can't get done before the draft. There just aren't going to be resolutions no. before the draft on his lawsuits or the league's response to all this surrounding Deshaun Watson. So, uh, draft capital will be stuff that can be used next year if a deal can be made. But it's not going to be made for six months. I, I wasn't getting on Florio's case. I actually think Florio is very No, I wasn't
3: saying you, but I've heard it from a lot of other people as well. I brought it up on Ton show, The Middle After Us here on com. Those guys were jumping all over it. Florio, Florio, Florio. It's not just Florio. He's the latest one. He's at least the fourth reporter that has brought this up. And there, he is a, li, a little bit of a lightning, lightning rod. That's the only reason people are saying, oh, it's not true. It's true. And that, by the way, we'll get into this later. Um, Ed Kratz is going to be on the, uh, of Sports Illustrated in the second hour. But, you know, the Eagles, be, there's that old adage in football, Jody, that, you know, don't don't listen to an organization. Don't listen to what they say. You know, look at what they do. So if you go all the way back to Jeffrey Lurie saying, hey, build around Jalen Hurts. And since then, we've heard this team is, they really like Zach Wilson, Jody. They really liked him. They didn't see an avenue to get him. They're they're talking about, you know, Deshaun Watson behind the scenes. You go into 2022, there's a thought around this league that Russell Wilson is going to be available by that point. It's always been the white whale for this team. This team's not building around Jalen Hurts. They're saying, you go out there in 2021, if you succeed, great. But you're not our plan. That's what this team is saying. You're not our long-term plan.
2: If that's the case, and you're probably right, but I'm not as sure about it as it sounds like you are, that this is just purely a stopgap and that there will be a new and different starting quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. In 2022, what does Jalen Hurts have to do to change that narrative? If they're saying one thing, but you you believe they actually believe uh, complete another that it's going to be a quarterback who's on another team, or they're going to revisit in the draft by trading down from six to twelve, they basically acknowledge quarterback is not a priority or they don't love this quarterback draft other than maybe a Lawrence or a Wilson. Um, so it's going to be a year before we find out that the Eagles are going in another direction of quarterback. Or Jalen Hurts could go out and kill it this year. If that's the case, how good is good? How good does he have to be for the Eagles to say, Forget about the white whale, as Johnny Mack calls him, Russell Wilson, or next year's quarterback class, or Deshaun Watson. We got our guy, and his name's Jalen Hurts. How good does he have to be?
3: Well, in a lot of ways, that might be the best-case scenario because Jalen's on his rookie deal. He'd be cheap. You'd have him cost-effective. You can then build around him on the back end of the roster. So in a lot of ways, I think that would be the best-case scenario for the Philadelphia Eagles. But while I say that, you know, he's not going to have a a great supporting cast when it comes to skill position players. We're, We're far enough along. I think there's hope that the offensive line is going to be really effective. I think there's hope. We had Lane Johnson on the show last week. He's going to be clear in about a month. If he's out there, Brandon Brooks is out there, Jason Kelsey's out there. That's a good offensive line. You do have to worry about the injury situations, but my point is the possibility is there. At the skill position, uh, is the possibility even there? Even if you draft a kid at 12, let's, for sake of argument, we're going to have Rick Saratel, as you mentioned, let's say Jalen Waddell's in here. As a rookie, to expect him to be as effective as, say, a Justin Jefferson or even a DK Metcalf the year before, that's probably pie in the sky. And even if it is, what about the complementary pieces? Um, I, so, I don't think he's going to have a ton of help when it comes to the skill positions. But I will say, look, that's his opportunity, Jody. If he's playing well, nobody's taking him off the field. He Over. has. I mean, if he's playing well, nobody's taking him off the field. But I do think you're going to have to grade him on a curve. So, if you're looking for 35 touchdowns and 4,000 yards, it's not coming with that skill position group. So you 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 have to temper the
2: expectations. The Eagles know that, by the way. You don't think the flash in the pan that was Travis Fulgham is going to be able to build on last year and become a superstar wide receiver? Is I, that what you're hey, telling me?
3: Hey, they need, by the way, they need. So if you're looking at you know, X and Z and the slot receiver, they need three new receivers. Travis Fulgham's in that conversation with J.J. Ortega-Whiteside to take over that all Sean Jeffrey X role, you know, Jalen Rager. He'll probably be the Z unless you bring somebody else in. And then you talk about Greg Ward. I love Greg Ward as a as a player, as a person, Jody. But man, if you're playing Greg Ward as your starting slot receiver, you're not good enough. They got to improve that position.
2: Agreed. I'm with you. I'm a Greg Ward fan and he's the most reliable receiver that the Eagles have had basically two years running. And that says a lot, but he's just not a, a big, big enough play guy. They need uh, if if Greg Ward's your slot, you better have two serious studs on the outside. And they don't have that just yet. Uh, but they got two top tight ends. And I say, too, because until Zach Ertz is traded I'm going to beat the drum for Zach Ertz is staying. When we had Lane Johnson on last week, I asked him about Zach and he said, I'd love to see him stay. One happy guy right here if Zach Ertz stays and uh, he would talk to him and try and talk him into it. Uh, he's still here. Although there have been reports that it's only a matter of days before Zach Ertz gets traded, it still hasn't happened. So I'm holding out hope that that's still the case that Zach Ertz is, out, is back because I still think he's got high-quality football left in him. I think he's going to play much better this upcoming year than he did this past year, and I'd rather see him do it in Eagle Green than somewhere else. We'll see how that shakes out. All right, we are the mac a guys. This is Birds 365. We've still got uh, plenty of time to talk up Eagles football, NFL football, and NFL draft. Because we're looking forward to talking to our first guest of the week. That would be one, Rick Saratella, the creator, the editor, the chief cook and bottle watcher of NFLDraftBible.com. I've had Ricky on my shows for a decade now. He's as good as there is when you're talking NFL draft. Rick Saratella joins us next here on Birds 365.
4: If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Welcome to the Wildwoods,
5: the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way.
6: The, the, the middle, the so middle, bro. I know we're gonna get on that, but I, I, I gotta say, happy birthdays to the to the kids in the stream. You know what I'm saying? We we looking, we checking it out. Happy birthday to you, your kids, man. You know what to I'm who? Saying? The kids, man. I'm watching the stream, man. What stream? It's double birthdays. You got to keep your eyes yeah. off that stream. Yeah. Man. seriously. <laughs>
7: you, t- no, you have I mean, a conversation I- with the stream, and nobody has any idea what you're. Talking you got to give us That's a why heads up. Because that get you yeah. into it. No no, 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 We have I'm, no I'm idea what you're bro. talking about. Right. So now we're in the middle of something, and it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa! Happy right. birthday! Happy birthday yeah. to who? I, I have no
6: I, idea what's what's going on right now. I, I, I
7: can just imagine people listening on Sports Map Radio, just like, what did he just say? Who's it action real?
6: Play action real. His son, Nick. Happy birthday, bro. It All right.
7: Now, now, everybody's got a birthday. Joey B's daughter, okay. 16 I today. Yeah. I mean, BS today. Seriously. This is like A.C. Green selling that he right. was a virgin back with
8: Showtime.
9: The Middle with Aton Shander, Barrett Brooks, and Harry Mays. Weekdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern.
8: The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show, with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So, when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org.
6: The future waits for no one, so we refuse to wait for it. We're not just pilots and engineers. We are pioneers. Today, battles are waged in nanoseconds, and planes are piloted from the other side of the world. We turn night into day and fly missions into space. The future's not coming. It's already here. This is the future. Join us and be the future. C-A-T-L-E-S-E-O!
0: Jody Mag. The legendary sports talker joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network.
2: We do a Birds 365 underway with you, Mac Guy, John McMullen, Jody McDonald. We got a insightful NFL draft guest to join us next, That will keep him for a bit. Uh, I've been talking to this guy for over a decade. He's been coming on all of my shows to so talk NFL draft with me, and I'm glad first chance I get to see his smiling face doing the show. He's been doing radio interviews with me for years the creator of the NFL Draft Bible, check it out at NFLDraftBible.com, Rick Saratella on Birds 365. How are you, Ricky? I'm doing well, Mac Attack and McMullen.
10: I love listening to the new show in the morning. It's been a great way to start my mornings and uh, so happy to be
2: here, guys. Appreciate you joining us. Um, Rick, I know you've been doing this for years. Uh, Before we start breaking down players and figuring out what uh, effect it's going to have on the Eagles, tell us about the game within the game. Leading up to the draft, the uh, season of misinformation. Uh, It's always fun to try and read between the lines with what teams are playing. We know it's a quarterback-heavy draft at the top. There's already been one big trade, which included the Eagles. More verbal activity, more believable, less believable activity. Leading up to the draft, everybody's trying to position themselves as best they can to get the guy or guys that they want. How does this year compare to previous years? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's a big year for quarterbacks because we've counted already 12
10: new week one starters, and, and we haven't even hit the draft yet, and we could see like five guys go, uh, never mind in the first round, maybe in the top 10, right? So to me, it's it's really the, the smokescreen season when you try to read the tea leaves really usually begins in the combine in Indianapolis. Everybody's in town. It's the who's who of the NFL football world. And, you know, those late night conversations around the lobby bars can get quite interesting and you you learn a lot. And we didn't have that this year. And so even with the uh, pro day circuit, which we didn't have last year, but we did have this year, it was still somewhat limited, especially for the media, you know, to get access to the teams, to the players. COVID has just created so many loopholes. So I think from a media standpoint, it's been kind of hard to get reliable information. And when you do, it's been hard to confirm it with the second source. I think what you're seeing right now, you know, there was legitimacy to the Jets love affair with Zach Wilson, GM Joe Douglas wanted to, you know, poke and prod and see these guys up close and in person at their pro days before he pulled the trigger on that deal. Now, uh, or, or, or yeah, on the Sam Darnold deal. Now the 49ers, this one has got me guys because, to me, I'm looking at it like, okay, I go back to Kyle Shanahan, the offense he was running with RG3 his rookie year in Washington. That was an unstoppable offense before RG3 was injured. Trey Lance is a guy that can do a lot of similar things. So to me, that would be the most logical choice. Hey, we still got Jimmy G. It's a reasonable contract at $25, 26000000 compared to some of the others. Hand the keys to the Cadillac over to Trey Lance. But then – John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan, they're at uh, Mac Jones Pro Day over Justin Fields, and I'm hearing Mac Jones is the guy. And then you go and look at the Vegas odds and you say, hey, these guys are pretty good. They're usually not too far off the mark. And according to the odds makers in Vegas, Justin Fields is the favorite to be the third quarterback off the board. So I I am completely confused at what the 49ers are going to do with that number three pick.
3: Yeah, Rick, you bring up a good point. I think a lot of people go back to Kyle Shanahan and Matt Ryan and assume the the Mac Jones. And I think there's some – obviously, they're very interested in Mac Jones, but he has been successful with other types of quarterbacks as well. So, to me, obviously, that's where the draft starts. It's going to be so interesting, even more so Atlanta at number four. Then what do they do? Do they get out? Are we going to have quarterback one, two, three, four – for the first time in the Super Bowl era. But before you get into all that, and get into all that, because I want you to, but you mentioned the difference in this year with your preparation. I'm asking all the draft guys, how much different has it been, how much more difficult has it been to get real information? Because i got to tell you, Rick, I've never seen more 4-3s in my life. Everybody's a track star out there.
10: Yeah, and every, and that's why we love the combine, right? It's the ultimate apples to apple, orange to orange comparison. Everybody's running on the same turf for a thirty-year period. We have all this data that we can go back, and you have the laser times to kind of back it up. And when you go to these different school pro days, you know who who's you know agent is putting out numbers, the school is putting out numbers, all these uh, third-party uh, sources that have alternate agendas right the the agent wants to make their client look good the school wants to sell the players so they get drafted and help them on the recruiting i think what we do here at the draft bible is just try to trade and share as much information as possible with other nfl teams so it's kind of been a give and take approach because it's been completely different for me in in terms of two years ago I, i visited uh 25 30 campuses i went to another 25 games i saw 75 80 schools football teams in person I I chatted with the coaches on the field before the game I got to talk to some of the players I'm in the tailgate hanging out with the parents finding out who's in their entourage and I didn't have any of that this year right it was just really uh, relying on my resources and getting as much valuable information as I can from the schools and I think what you've seen in NFL front offices a lot of younger scouts a lot of quote unquote information gatherers, not necessarily scouts, that's the New England Patriot model. Hey, you go in, you gather the information, our decision makers will, will, will evaluate and decide who we want to draft. And so, you know, it's been an upside down process because, uh, you know, just trying to get in. And, and even when we were allowed at schools, we're, we're in the stands watching it, can't have any contact. Uh, so it's been it's been very difficult to nail down those verified measurements. And we saw it a year ago. A lot of the FCS players didn't have a pro day, didn't have verified measurables, didn't have uh, times. And so you saw a record
2: low six players from the FCS get drafted a year ago. Along those lines with less information available and just a fact, Jack, less games played, less availability to players, no combine Last year, teams relied at least in part on the individual players and the information they gave them. I know there are a whole bunch of agents. They got pretty good videotapes to teams on what their players can do, doing drills and the like, knowing full well that the players put these tapes together, their agents put these tapes together. I'm just going to show you the good parts of a guy's game. Agents had a pretty big hand in it last year. This year, a little bit more on the information But they opened that avenue that agents reaching out to teams got at least an ear of a top scout or a general manager and the like. How big a part of this year's draft is that? That players are going to get the chance to sell themselves to their agent to teams before the draft takes place. It was kind of a door that was opened a little bit last year. Is it still open? Do you think teams are using information they're getting from the players directly?
10: I know they are because going back to the process and having those veteran scouts, those are the teams that are going to really benefit this draft cycle because I'll be honest with you, I might not get a call back from Ohio State. I'm not in there every year and know uh, you know, the head coach and all those guys. And so the same thing goes true with the NFL front office. You shut down the scouts' ability to come into the school. Well, now it's the veteran scouts that have those relationships that get the call back, right? Not everybody's getting the call back. These these pro liaisons at, at the colleges, first of all, it's not their priority to make a player succeed at the next level. They're in the business of winning football games at the collegiate level. And I get that. I understand that. And so they're not going to call back 32 teams and have that same conversation. 32 teams, one team doesn't want to be on a call with another team. So that's not going to fly. And I think you know, it, it, it goes back to like, well, hey. What do we have on a guy if we like him? Well, hey, I didn't get the call back from the school. What do we have on file? Hey, the agent sent this film. Well, let's take a look. Let's see what the numbers are. And you kind of get a picture for who the player is. And to me, you know, any information is better than no information. And I think that's just kind of the COVID scouting process that we're working with and dealing with.
3: You know, typically, Rick, you bring up that information aspect of it. If you think about NFL teams, how they usually do business, current draft choices are valued more than a draft choices a year out because you don't there's a lot of uncertainty. You don't know how good a team is going to be. We see worse the first every year in this league. What looks like a good pick this year might not be one next year. Has that been turned a little bit upside down because people are assuming you are going to have that more information It's going to get back to normal next year. Because I look at what the Eagles did moving back from number six to number 12 to get an extra first round pick. They might have three first round picks next year. Is that thinking more prevalent that maybe we're better off getting a next year cycle where we're going to have more information.
10: Yeah. And and I I wouldn't be surprised if the Eagles weren't done wheeling and dealing. Uh, So I could see them moving up and positioning themselves in the top five with the ammunition that they have. But to answer your question, I think that especially day three this year, the the draft picks for next year are going to be valued a lot higher. And it's just because of a supply and demand food chain where, you know, Jody Mack can tell you when you get the draft Bible, there's usually over a thousand players on our big board for each draft class. This year, there's not even 600 guys eligible. So the, the draft pool has been cut in half. And you got these super sick seniors now that have returned to school. The transfer portal has opened the floodgates where thousands, thousands of players are entering college free agency in hopes of boosting their draft stock and getting seen by the NFL. So I think whereas an average draft pool, you have about 1,000 guys, 1,200 guys, we try to whittle it down to the top 500, 700 players. This year, there's, there's not even 600 guys. And so, you know, I, I think next year you might see a draft pool, like there, the SRAs that the NFL PA certified agents sign players, I think there's 536 players that
2: actually signed with an agent in this year's draft. I could see that number maybe triple next year. Wow, wow, wow. That would be a lot of guys hitting the free agent slash draft market. Rick Sartella here with us on Birds 365. All right, you mentioned the Eagles potentially moving up, potentially moving back. They've already moved once. They were at number six. They dropped back to number 12. We know their general manager is a uh, wheeler-dealer kind of guy. If they were to move back up in your guesstimation, Why? Is there a specific player, a specific position? What would be the Eagles' motivation to, after they garnered pieces Mm -hmm. for the future, to use those pieces to get back to a place that they've already been? And a lot of Eagles fans haven't even had their first cup of Joe this morning. I don't want (laughs) to rile them
10: up (laughs) here. You're going to rile them up anyway. I'm not sure they're all in on Jalen Hurts, right? They shouldn't be. Okay, so – To me, and I'm a big uh, believer, I subscribe to the Bill Walsh philosophy that you draft a quarterback every year, you develop quarterbacks, you can never have enough because if you have good quarterbacks, you got equity. (laughs) You can always flip and trade them. To me, Howie Roseman is a guy that takes a quarterback every year, whether you like it or not. Carson Wentz, Nate Sudfeld, Jalen Hurts. It might not always be in round one. Now, I think think Howie Roseman could be eyeing to see what the Falcons – or the Bengals do at four and five. And if they say, hey, well, Justin Fields is our number two quarterback in the draft. And suddenly he's available at four or five. I would not rule it out that he jumps up and takes a quarterback. I think it's very much in play.
3: Wow. Yeah, you're going to get a couple spit takes in the coffee from Eagles fans. I do think it's interesting because before you came on, Rick, we, we had kind of had a discussion. There's been all these whispers that. The Eagles are a team to watch if anything gets cleared up with Deshaun Watson, which is probably not going to happen in the short term. But longer term thinking, that means that they want an insurance policy. They're not completely sold on Jalen Hurts. You're right about, you know, Howie Roseman used that term. Quarterback factory gets laughed at a lot for that. They Sometimes it doesn't work. Clayton Thorson uh, didn't work. If you're looking at that, day two or day three quarterbacks the guys I keep hearing from NFL people at least are Davis Mills and Kellen Mond as guys who could be potential starters guys who could develop outside of that top five or are, are those the two guys you're you're looking at as well yeah and and I would not be
10: surprised if Kellen Mond sneaks in the back end of the first round with one of these teams that that are looking, you know, they didn't they didn't get one of those tier one guys. But you look around the league, all these aging quarterbacks, I would not be surprised if a team makes a move for a Kellen Mond because he has all the traits and characteristics that teams are looking for in a modern day quarterback, which is what the ability to improvise, throw on the run. I think there was a a lot of concern coming into this season about Kellen Mond's pocket presence, his awareness, his decision making. And you saw him make great strides this year, have a couple of big time wins. And so uh, Kellen Mond's stock kind of escalated, whereas Davis Mills, there was a lot of, I don't want to say expectations, but maybe hope that he could be one of these round one guys. I think he got a little bit of a raw deal with the Pac-12 because it was off again, on again, canceled games, a little bit hard to kind of uh, hold that against him. But he flashes big time arm talent. He's a very cerebral guy, obviously going to Stanford. He actually did an individual pro day workout during the week of the senior ball His agent Joe Siegel coordinated and planned that very strategically, which could help boost his draft stock if he got in front of enough NFL teams so I do think it's Kellen Mond Davis Mills kind of in that tier two and there's probably going to be somebody that falls in love enough with Kyle Trask from Florida to, to take him somewhere on day
2: two I think uh, Trask would be my favorite in that group, but uh, I don't know that the Eagles going to be in position. To get, take any of those guys if they go day two. I'm looking more at day three, and we'll get uh, to that uh, somewhere down the road. All right, Ricky, you said the Eagles could move up. Let's let's work from the premise they stay at 12. They don't move up. The pick is there. At 12, it's their pick to make. I think cornerback is a big uh, priority for them. Horn, certain. I need you to tell me if one or both will be available. If not, and they go elsewhere, my partner Johnny Mack believes in the Eagles sticking with history. It's in their DNA to get into the trenches, be it offensive line or defensive line. I'm not sure that anyone merits coming from either the offensive line or the defensive line. If Slater is there, okay. We believe Sewell will be gone. I don't know that the third offensive lineman merits being pick number 12 i don't know that any defensive lineman deserve to be number 12 will one of the top two cornerbacks be on the board for the eagles if they're both gone is there someone on either the offensive line or the defensive line that the eagles can make an argument for at number 12 yeah and i think i think that they will have an option to take the first corner off the board because i really
10: believe that you're going to have at least four quarterbacks maybe five in the top 10 and then the, the three blue chippers to me are Jamar Chase, Pene, Sewell, and Kyle Pitts. They're all going to be off the board. They're, there's seven, eight guys right there. So I think you are looking at a Patrick Surtain from Alabama, a J.C. Horn from South Carolina. And I prefer Horn slightly over Sertain just for his man-to-man coverage ability. I think it's a little bit higher. However, Christian Barmar, the defensive tackle, there's there's a lot of late buzz on him because if you look at the defensive positions, there's really no clear-cut consensus guy at any of them. Really, Micah Parsons at linebacker, maybe, but Barmore would be the other guy at defensive tackle that you could see a team like maybe the Eagles pull the trigger a little early than people are thinking about or, or, or estimating. And uh, Rashawn Slater is a guy I think we've spoken about in the past, Jody, that you know, to me, he, he's a right tackle. You start him there and you kick him inside if it doesn't work out. But to me, I have enough confidence in his talent, and his arms aren't prototypical, but they're long enough to survive and get by. But you are hearing, too, that some teams prefer a Rashawn Slater over a Penesul, which is interesting to me.
3: Uh, Rick, you bring up that offensive line. Another guy that interests me because of his versatility maybe has his arms are a little bit uh, too short to play tackle at the pro level is vera tucker uh but he's got tremendous i i see a little not necessarily as a player but when zach martin was coming out i'd always heard you know he played left tackle notre dame he can play anywhere uh it's a very safe pick do you see sort of some safety in a kid like that and also slater because of the the versatility because those two look like eagles players to me
10: yeah they they look like plug and play starters that can last in this league for a good decade. It's just a matter of where do you feel comfortable with them? And to me, you know, unless you are an elite guard, I have a hard time taking guards in the first round. The kid out of Notre Dame with the Colts, Quentin Nelson would be an exception to the rule. Elijah Vera Tucker might be an exception to the rule because technically I view him as a tackle. Again, every team, like you look around the NFL, what team isn't looking to upgrade their tackle positions? Almost every team. Right, mm-hmm. It's just such a need, and to me, I've always looked around the league and saw the better guards are always tackles with deficiencies that kick in, so it's hard for me to draft a true guard in the first round, but to me, Elijah Vera Tucker, again, I, I think what you see with uh, New England and Isaiah Wynn, very similar measurements, and I think Vera Tucker's a guy, you start him out a tackle, if not, you've got a great guard for the next decade.
2: Ricky, if the Eagles do get a top cornerback in those first two picks, and I think Dallas is going to take one before him, so I don't think they're going to get a top cornerback. I think they'll probably get whichever one Dallas doesn't pick. But if if they go there with their first pick, um, wide receiver, second, third round, day two, uh, we know the top three wide receivers. How good is the depth of this class? Is that going to be a position where you can find a guy in a day two, day three position who could actually come in and contribute to your team relatively early? Yeah. The wide receiver class is
10: the deepest of any position in this draft, but I do want to backtrack to that number 10 pick because I'm hearing that Dallas could have their eyes on Zayvon Collins from Tulsa, Jamin Davis from Kentucky, two late risers. I know people aren't looking at linebacker as necessarily the main need there for Dallas, but they've been infatuated with Zavin Collins from Tulsa for quite some time. And Javin Davis from Kentucky is another guy. I think people are going to be surprised how high those two guys go. Um, In terms of wide receiver, we saw the impact these rookie receivers made a year ago. This year's class is even more talented, in my opinion. It's just unbelievable, the playmakers. And then you talk about the depth. To your point, uh, Jody, it's it's like, hey, Terrence Marshall, Rashard Bateman from LSU and Minnesota – These are two boundary receivers that could could very well be available at 43. And we saw Carson Wentz, the lack of playmakers. If Jalen Hurts is going to have any success, they've got to get him a playmaker on the first day or two. And so to me, a guy that could really do uh, wonders is a Dwayne Eskridge in that Deshaun Jackson slot kind of deep threat. And you take a look at what he did uh, this past season – uh Dwayne Eskridge that is uh, and he's a slot guy that had some injury concerns but all he does is make big plays I love him I think we have him 67th uh overall and then Kadarius Tony like he's a first round talent most likely but one of these guys you're hearing there might be some character concerns maybe a little bit late to to practice a couple suspensions that teams are digging into with Kadarius Tony does that cause him to slide And to me, if you get a talent like that in the second round, uh, that's like adding a Percy Harvin kind of element to your offense.
3: Rick, you piqued my interest with saying the wide receiver position is probably the deepest in the class. Couple that with with a player like Barmore, interior defensive line, if you're looking for one of those guys, this is not the year uh, to be at the top of the draft. So how much does that play into someone's thinking, the fact that, Hey, you know what? Okay. Jamar Chase is number one. We're not going to get Jamar Chase, but there are so many good receivers. You can get somebody at 37 into the forties versus interior D line. You you're, you're not going to get that same type of prospect. Is that, is that fair to say? And then the second part, besides wide receivers, what other positions do you consider deep in this class? So, yes, I,
10: I think that it goes back to the old draft war room philosophy. Hey, best available player or draft for need. And I think every every front office is different. Every team is kind of case by case. Are you a rebuilding team? Are you looking to reload, reload, or are you a contender that just needs a final piece to get over the hump? And I think you got to factor that in. When you're the Eagles, they've got so many needs. To me, take the best talent available. <laughs> And 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 I know Jody will get mad at me for saying this. It's Jalen Waddle all day long. You know, you know, give me Jalen Waddle all day long. So, um, the other part of your question, I forgot already. What
3: was it, John? Um, It was the the deepest positions outside of wide
10: receiver. And, And just to follow up on the wide receiver, like to me, the Bengals pick is fascinating because the LSU offense two years ago was the most prolific offense arguably I've ever seen. And Jamar Chase had 15 touchdowns of 40 yards or more. Can you imagine bypassing that opportunity to reunite Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase? But it looks like it could happen because Penny Sewell, you got to protect your assets, right? Uh, Kyle Pitts, there's a lot of people that believe he might be the best player or best playmaker in the draft. And so if they do bypass on Jamar Chase, that is the Bengals, Maybe the aforementioned Terrence Marshall, another LSU guy, is there for the Bengals in round two. Uh, in terms of depth, I mean, I, I think that, you know, offensive line, there's some pretty good ones. Uh, after A Sewell and Rashawn Slater and Elijah Vera Tucker, you've got guys like Spencer Brown out of northern Iowa. Nobody's talking about this guy. He's a first-round lock. Uh, he's a plug-and-play guy that has huge upside, and he's a big giant six foot eight jolly green giant um you talk about creed humphrey the center uh he's a guy that's going to go really high quentin uh quentin manners the gut from wisconsin whitewater d3 mm-hmm. uh he's a guy I, I think the offensive line is full of depth and on the defensive side i i would probably say uh the linebacker position is now starting to grow on me with all the guys we mentioned micah parsons zavin collins from tulsa Jamin Davis from Kentucky, Nick Bolton from Missouri. These are all potential first round picks at the linebacker position.
2: Yes, I have my own draft uh, philosophical standpoint. That is, give me the best football player. Don't worry about the best athlete. Give me the best football player. And at wide receiver, that's Devonta Smith in this year's draft. But I digress. Mm -hmm. Uh, Different philosophical question for you. This is not a draft chock full, at least at the top, of guys who can make things happen on the edge it's not a great pass rusher draft be it outside uh, uh, tackled uh ends on a four three set or outside linebackers on a three four set that's what i want to ask you about teams are going to come in with their own defensive schemes they're going to judge a player playing in a collegiate defensive scheme if they don't match up how difficult is it to project a guy who played outside linebacker in a three four to be able to come into the league and be put into the defensive end spot in a 4-3 and vice versa. A guy who played 4-3, now you run a 3-4 on the NFL level that you can get him to shed a couple of pounds and be able to play linebacker. I just think that's so difficult to project. If you're talking about a first-round pick or a second-round pick, you're expecting a lot from the guy right away. You're not going to have two years to get him up to speed. That's a pretty dicey pick for me. How difficult is it? you talk talked to guys, teams, coaches over all the years who try and make that transition, have a guy play one position but then try and turn him into another. I don't think that works. I've never thought it works, and I've always thought it was a reach. You're talking about a round six guy? Yeah, sure. you got years to develop him? Go ahead. Not a top pick. How about for you? Is that a good philosophy to try and stay away from, or are you still subscribing to give me that best athlete?
10: You know, it, it, there's a lot of to peel back here on the onions. So you hear, it, like, in Carolina with Coach Rule, you hear positionless football, right? They And that's how he won at Baylor. That's how he won at Temple. He recruited the athletes, and he developed them. And so, like, a guy like Jason Owa from Penn State, who had zero sacks this past year, but some people think he's the best defensive end, pass rusher in this year's draft because of the size, the athleticism, the testing, the measurements. Uh, You can get hurt pretty badly. Just think about Mike Mamula, right? Um, You know, and you can get pretty hurt going off of measurables. I think it's become easier uh, in the modern day NFL because of how many teams now run almost like a hybrid base. And so you see a lot of hybrid defenses around the league. And I think back in the day, these guys were called tweeners. Now they're called hybrid players. And (laughs) it's like, hey, let's just try to find a way to get them after the quarterback. I go back to Von Miller when he came out. At the time, I said, he's too small to play defensive end. He's a stand-up 34 outside rusher. And at the time, Denver was running a 43 base and played him at defensive end. They made it work. And I think it's just a matter of stop trying to fit a, a square peg into a round hole. And if the coaching staff can adapt and utilize the player's skill set and put them in position to succeed. Well, then that's where I think a player succeeds and fails. Now, I think from an evaluation standpoint, this is where the front office of uh, uh, the scouting department and the coaching department will collide because from an evaluation standpoint, scouts have these cutoff measurements. And, you know, I go back to a guy like Cam Gill from Wagner a year ago who set the FCS sack record, but he had 30, 31 inch arms, and I couldn't find a single NFL scout to buy buy in on this kid. Not a single one. They said he's too short. He's pigeonholed. We can't play him at defensive end. Mm-hmm. He's he doesn't have the experience at outside linebacker, and he doesn't play special teams. So we got no use for him. Well, fast forward, you know, ten months later, he's in the Super Bowl there with Shaq Barrett partying in the backfield collecting sacks. Mm-hmm. And so, like this year's draft, I think Gregory Rousseau is probably the most polished 4-3, hand-in-the-dirt defensive end. Now, I spoke to Manny Lawson uh, – not man, I spoke to Coach uh, uh, down there at Miami, Diaz, Coach Manny Diaz, yeah. at Media Day a couple years ago, and he goes, Gregory Rousseau is a Manny Lawson clone who he coached at NC State. And so I'm saying to myself, okay, well, that's a pretty good player, but if I'm taking Manny Lawson at 10 or 11 – I don't know how much value that is. So that's where you got to be careful team, you know, need versus best available player. I think Azizo Ojalary from Georgia is very much in the mix, kind of in that Von Miller mold, uh, very similar Scott size and skill set athleticism. So those are kind of the guys I think we're looking at here
3: in round one. Rick, you've mentioned measurables a couple times. I think Rousseau is one of the most interesting kids in this draft because he looks the part. He, You know, he had 15 and a half sacks before he opted out, but he spent his off time working with Chuck Smith, who who's, was the great pass rusher in Atlanta. So he's doing some work where you could at least make an argument that maybe that prepares him – better for the nfl than piling up sacks against bad acc teams i mean i think that's the way you have to have it but then he has a bad three cone drill and it seems to like take him off you mentioned uh length of arm with tackles and barrett tucker that's an issue with him that's an issue with slater are these guys when you see good football players do you sometimes see scouts that are a slave to those measurements and maybe they have to look at at uh, other aspects like Jody says good football player
10: yeah and you know you see you see the shirt the NFL PA collegiate ball that I work with and and I've been privileged enough to work with guys that have been in the NFL front offices worked for NFL teams and again it's it's like hey there are obstacles when you love a player and you're pounding the table and you've got a guy who believes in measurements and a lot of teams do i think it's a it's a more relevant thing than the media talks about because guys get eliminated based on measurements. The, the evaluation game is a, is a process of elimination. That's why when you see, you know, a, a glimpse of the Jerry Jones big board in the war room, there's only 80 guys in the entire draft. that yeah, yeah. There's a certain guy that they're looking for. And so I, I think it is a big deal. And, you know, the other thing with Rousseau, it gets talked a lot about Trey Lance and his inexperience. You take a look at Rousseau, he's only played about 15 games. And he had injury history before his first full season. So I think there's durability
2: and experience concerns
10: with Gregory Rousseau.
2: Ricky, great stuff. You gave us a half an hour plus. If you can, we'd love to have you back on Week of the Draft. We'll punch up again uh, within the next two weeks. Thanks for coming on with us today. Uh, no, I've already got my uh, – on the computer copy of the NFL Draft Bible. Uh, if someone wants to get their hands on it prior to the draft so they can be ready to rock come uh, the third Thursday in the month, how can they go about getting their hands on your NFL Draft Bible? Thank you for that, Jody, because the, the herd is after me here with one of the books being mailed out. One of the books being <laughs> mailed
10: out. Okay, we picked them up on Saturday. We've got the envelopes all filled out. They're being dropped in the mailbox today. So by the end of the week, you'll have your hard copy version. But if you want one of those, go to allaccessfootball.com to get your copy, the PDF, the hard copy. And then, of course, NFLDraftBible.com for all your
2: can't-stop, won't-stop draft coverage. Thank you, guys. Ricky, great stuff. Rick Saratel, NFL Draft Bible, here with us on Birds 365. And shoot, Rick is very amenable. He's a good dude. He and I have been friends for years. I'll get him back in two weeks, right before the draft happens. I can guarantee you we'll punch him up for another spot. He's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. We are Birds 365. We'll come back. Hour number two coming your way. Stay with us.
4: If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. The
8: International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show, with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org.
5: Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way.
9: The the, the Middle. (laughs) (laughs)
7: <laughs> we need a Lil' Maze Wait, wait, yeah. what was the commercial? Yeah, Harry goes, I don't need a little anything You'd have Lil' Harry or Lil' Maze Lil' Maze and, <laughs> and you pull a Didn't string it? and it yes. says, I am out Or sort of like four or five different Maze sayings Now that's an idea Did you see a Shander doll? It oh, never yeah. stops talking No,
8: You don't even God. need to pull the string The
9: Middle with Aton Shander, Barrett Brooks, and Harry Maze Weekdays from 11am to 1pm Eastern The light from a star can take millions of years to reach Earth. So when you look at a star, you're looking back in time. But I see the future. I see exploration and courage. I see my country finding new horizons out there. And I see giant leaps making a comeback. I see myself. The future is where I'll make history.
0: Jody Mack, the legendary sports talker, joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network.
2: We are your Mac and Mac guys here on Bird 365 on the Jacobs Media YouTube channel and SillyVoice.com. All you got to do is hit the link and you got your Mac and Mac guys for your morning football cup of coffee. Uh, we thank Rick, Rick tell from NFL Draft Bible for coming on and us some real good insight and info on guys in the draft. And also an opinion that don't be surprised if Howie Roseman isn't done. He's already backed up in the draft. <laughs> From number six to number 12, not impossible that he does an about face and moves back up in the draft when we're on the clock on draft day. I will not dismiss it as a possibility, but Rick was talking about maybe getting back up to number five. Well, you already had six. Now you're moving up to five in case one of the quarterbacks, the Eagles, may like a lot, does drop down. I I just don't see it. I'm with you. You said it earlier here on today's episode that they're going to give Jalen Hurts this year, it might be just a one-year wonder thing. If they don't get wowed by Jalen Hurts, they can go in a lot of different directions at the quarterback position for 2022 and beyond. But I do not believe they're moving back up to get a quarterback. If they really liked the quarterback, they would have sat at six and then been strategic about potentially moving up from there to get the guy that they wanted as a quarterback. I just don't think he exists. He exists. But I don't dismiss Rick's idea of you know, how he prefers to be aggressive rather than regressive and or less aggressive. And he's already done that by moving (laughs) back to number 12. What's the chance they do move up a slot or two or three or four? Not in the quarterback range, assuming three of the quarterbacks, if not four of the quarterbacks, if not five of the quarterbacks are off the board before the Eagles' original pick at six comes up. And I do think there's an outside chance. All five of the first five picks are quarterbacks. Um, Who do you think they'd be targeting? Do you think that Howie Roseman would have the gravitas to move up one slot, two slots, three slots? I don't think he wants to give up a first-round pick in any of the future years, but a combined second, a third, a second, a fifth, something like that, do you think that is potentially in the offering for the birds? Um, look, I I think we
3: talked about it with Deshaun Watson. In a lot of ways, I think Howie Roseman gets in people's heads around this league. They're always looking at Howie Roseman. They're thinking about who's going to move, who's going to move. Howie Roseman is in that conversation because of his history. It has slowed down a little bit, though, Jody. It's not the same as it once was. He When he was wheeling and dealing, when he was trader Howie, when he was moving all over the board, not only you know, with trades, but also the draft and free agency. Look, they're not taking 11 players. They have 11 picks. They're going to move up and down the board at some point. So if there is one player, and it might be, you know, Sewell. Rick mentioned uh, Penny Sewell. I think he's the best position player in this draft. Do you? If For some reason, yeah. I think he's Trent Williams. I think he's the next Trent Williams. If, if some reason... He starts falling down the board because of those quarterbacks. You mentioned there's an outside chance, one, two, three, four, five. So you start to push down the board. If other guys are interested, the Bengals and Jamar Chase and having that reunion with Joe Burrow, and he starts pushing down the board more. Uh, Rick also mentioned there are certain teams that like Rashawn Slater better. I think they're nuts, but nonetheless, all of a sudden he starts to slip down the board and you're saying, Howie Roseman, wow, we can we can get this kid. Let's go up a couple spots. I could see that happening uh, if they fall in love with a player. Uh, other than that, I think they're going to stick to 12. And I think they're going to make their decision. And it's probably going to be, as we mentioned, cornerback or offensive line or defensive line. Um, but it's always, always a chance with Howie Roseman. No question about it.
2: Mm, let's play uh, the next step game with that hypothetical Just threw out there. Petty Sewell starts to drop. He's down at nine. He's down at 10. The Eagles only have to jump up two or three slots to get him. And I'm with you. I I think Chase might be the best positional player since quarterback is a position. I'd start with uh, Trevor Lawrence as the number one pick. He should be. And he's not there just because he's the quarterback. I think he's the best football player in this draft, and you know how I feel about Fields. I could argue that he's number two. After that, it's either Chase or Sewell. So second or third, third or fourth best player in the draft, I'm with you. Well, all of a sudden, you're sitting at number eight, and he's still available. You're sitting at number nine, he's still available. The Eagles say this is just too much value. We're, a in our DNA, a trenches team that wants to always fortify from within. Let's get aggressive. Let's get that done. If they do move up and they get him, it's, say, number nine. What do you do with Andre Dillard? Do you just keep him here as depth? Do you put him on the open market and see if a team who doesn't get an offensive lineman in the first round has interest in him? How much of a step back would it be if you turned around and traded him for, I don't know, say a third round pick two years after moving up and trading in the first round to get him? What happens if they do take Penesul Sewell to the left tackles they already have on the roster?
3: Well, yeah. I mean, if you do get somebody like that, then you're probably going to move Andre Dillard for a day three pick. We had Jimmy Kempsky from Philly Voice on uh, last week, and he mentioned, look, it's not value because it would cost more to trade him to keep him. So I'm not saying this is likely, but at that point, if you draft a penny soul, you don't need him. So you move in a different direction. You get as much back as, as possible. You know, one of the things – barrett brooks when he was on with us he was really harsh let's be honest about andre dillard i still think the most likely scenario for the 2021 eagles is that andre is going to be the left tackle so do i for, for a number of reasons one I, I think the kid's got tremendous talent especially as a pass protector but secondly you know if you think about that swing tackle position that third offensive tackle, you got to be able to play both sides, left tackle, right tackle. Jordan Mailata has proven he can do that, at least at a competent level. Andre Dillard's a left tackle. We know that. He doesn't like playing the right side, but he does have more talent than Jordan Mailata. So ultimately, I think that is still the, the most likely case for the Philadelphia Eagles in 2021. However, Jody, again, If a player like Sewell falls to you, you take them. I gave you that Adrian Peterson story last week. You take them, and then you let the chips fall where they may. Then you do the best uh, thing you can do with that type of player. Get a day three pick. Just move on. Because you're getting to me, you're getting the best position player in the draft.
2: I'll tell you what, if uh, that were to happen, and it's a complete hypothetical that you and I are creating, this is what we do before drafts come up. We try and think of every scenario and how it plays off and the domino effect with moves thereafter. If that's the case, uh, I'm going to get a note to Joe Douglas of the Jets and say, hey, if they're going to make Andre Dillard available, you're going to get value for him. He's coming off an injury. The talent is still there. Uh, I think the Jets should be interested in him because I know they're going to be using their first round pick on their new quarterback and not going to be able to get an upgrade on the offensive line. Yeah, they got Seattle's pick a little later in the first round. I don't they could. they've got so many holes. They could go a couple different ways with that. Um, if you can get an Andre Dillard and a deal, you're telling me you think it's going to be day three that uh, it's not even uh, going to command a third round pick in exchange? a fourth or bet. Oh, well, uh, if I'm the Jets, I'm very interested in obtaining a guy like Andre Dillard. That's one thing I can see you and I agree on. The
3: well, there's talent- not, it's, Jody, it's not just the Jets. Rick Rick had just mentioned how many teams are looking for tackles in this league. I mean, it, it is a talent deficient position in the NFL. There are plenty of teams looking for uh, uh, better players at left tackle. The Eagles will surely have a market for Andre Dillard, they'd have a market for Jordan Mylata. I mean, teams are looking for offensive tackles, so it's not like my point is if that situation comes up, and it could be Rashawn Slater, could be Barrett Tucker, even if that situation comes up, it doesn't prevent you from from taking that player because you know you'll be able to move another asset because other teams are so. Uh, have such a dearth of talent at the offensive
2: tackle position. I asked you earlier in the show about the, the Sean Watson situation because Mike Florio uh, re stoked the conversation this weekend about Howie Roseman and the fact that he's Mr. Uber aggressive PM and uh, that the Eagles may be just putting a smoke screen up about they want to give uh, their current quarterback a full time shot at the number one job. I want to ask you about another quarterback in the league, a veteran quarterback, guy who's been around, guy who's won and may not necessarily be off the charts excited about staying where he's at. Have you watched any Jeopardy in the past two weeks, John McMullen? I have not watched both shows,
3: but I've seen the clips, Jody. And, uh, you know. Aaron's a better
2: quarterback than he is a game show host. See, you're you, you just don't get it. You're one of those who just don't get it. I tweeted out, uh, I think Thursday or Friday. <laughs> I don't remember which one. Uh, one thing I'm very sure about: Aaron Rodgers is better filling in for Alex Trebek on Jeopardy than Alex Trebek would have been filling in for Aaron Rodgers as quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. Um, that is true. That yeah, part is true. That, but that I, I'll
3: put I put it this way, Jody. Jordan Love, I don't want to be Jordan Love because I don't want to replace Aaron Rodgers at a quarterback. I don't want to be Aaron Rodgers as a game show host because I don't want to replace Alex Trebek as a legendary game show host. The point here is, and you know this, Jody, over the years, you don't want to be the guy that replaces the legend. You want to be the guy that replaces the guy who replaced the legend. That's 100%. what's going on.
2: 100% correct, but Aaron Rodgers is a confident slash cocky individual who thinks that he can do anything on the face of the planet, more power to him. It's what makes him a great quarterback. There's a reason that he's doing these fill-in shows. He wants the gig. He yeah, believes he, he can be the next Alex Trebek. Yeah. And there is only one Alex Trebek. You and I see that the same. But I think he's been damn good at it. And I've seen some critiques on I got responses to my tweet He's so laid back. What the hell? There's no act. Uh, and just ripping his performance, which I don't get. I think he's been phenomenal. He's been pronouncing Sounds words. Sounds like since.
3: Beaker from the Muppets. I've Ooh. said this on Harry Beaker Ooh. from the Muppets. You know, Beaker from the Muppets.
2: I, I'm sorry. I'm not up on my Muppets. All right. Who the well, hell is
3: Beaker? Exactly. Look up Beaker. Harry Mays on the middle does a tremendous job. Tremendous Aaron Rodgers impression doing Jeopardy. Really? Tremendous,
2: yes. I've not caught it. Shame on me. Yeah. I, I'm going to have to check that out. Uh, then, just here's my opinion. I think he's been phenomenal at it. I was floored. Wow. I thought he'd be your basic. Well, guy you like you like to- the you like the
3: fiend, Jody. So, I don't know if I can take you.
2: Oh, okay. You no, think that's fine. a good character? You're you're a uh, tougher grader than I am in certain things, but others I'm <laughs> tougher than you. You thought you know, I was good enough. Well, I, I think, Aaron, I well, do I think would.
3: Aaron Rodgers is one of the greatest quarterbacks. I say this is how I describe Aaron Rodgers. Always have. Nobody has ever played the position at a higher level than Aaron Rodgers. Now, when you talk about best ever, you have to win championships. We all know that. So everybody has their own definition. But as far as nobody has ever played that position at a higher level when he is playing his A
2: game. I agree with you there. Skill set. The skill set necessary to play quarterback in the NFL in 2020, 2021, 2020. no one has ever had it the way that Aaron Rodgers has had it. Patrick Mahomes may show that he has it over the next couple of years, but Rodgers to this point has shown it more than anyone ever. You're right. He's not the greatest of all time. That includes results, and he hasn't got them compared to Brady. That's why Brady's better. But I actually think he's got a better skill set than Brady. So you and I agree there. But if he's tired in Green Bay, if he's
3: he's – He he doesn't want to be in Green Bay. I said that last year. I, I probably told you that on WIP. He does not want to be there. He does not like that organization. Uh, he does not believe they've built around him correctly. And that's why I bring up the Eagles in 2022. I always throw in Aaron Rodgers because he's going to keep playing. He does want to do Jeopardy. He wants to be in California. That That's his post-football career. He's a California guy. But if you can somehow swing a Peyton Manning Denver situation, have Aaron Rodgers for, say, two years at his height, Man, that would be
2: fun. That's the question I was trying to get to. We're talking about Russell Wilson. We're talking about Deshaun Jackson, uh, quarterbacks who've already established themselves in the league and making big trades, probably more expensive trades because of age, for both of those two guys. Why hasn't the Aaron Rodgers could-be-dealt conversation happened around the National Football League yet? If your read is right, he's... Borderline desperate to get out of Green Bay. Why aren't we having any conversations about what it would take to get Aaron Rodgers to come in to Philadelphia or any other team other than the Green Bay Packers as a quarterback to give a team a shot at making a Super Bowl run?
3: Same reason, always the contract, same reason as Russell Wilson when people talk about okay, 2021, Russell Wilson's not going anywhere. And that turned out to be the case because the the, the dead money hit would have been too much for Seattle next season. You look ahead, it's a little more palatable. You can do it. Same thing with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, ultimately they can't move them right now because of the contract situation and they don't want to move them. They know Jordan loves not ready. They think they could win a super bowl. So that's part of it as well. But then it gets to a point where you say, okay, and it happened with Brett Barth. That's the perfect scenario. Um, now, you know, I always say Packers fans are the most spoiled football fans in the world because spoiled. Yeah, they've had Hall of Fame quarterback play for over a quarter century uninterrupted, uninterrupted. That never happens, Jody. And guess what? It's not going to happen with Jordan Love. I'm making that prediction right now. <laughs> they are in for some dark times, so enjoy it while you can.
2: I like love better than you, but you're right. There's gonna be a drop off. We thought when Favre was done, there'd be a drop off. Oops, here comes Aaron Rodgers. It's not gonna lightning is not striking no, twice like that in Green not. I'll agree with you there. I don't think it'll be a bust, but he's not gonna be Rodgers or Favre. Uh it's not gonna be uh three and a half decades worth of Hall of Fame level quarterback play. With you, I'm I'm with you on that. I I'd inquire. If I'm Harry Roseman, if I'm reaching out to Houston to see what it would take to get to Sean Watson, if I'm checking in on what the price is for Russell Wilson, their white whale, I'd at least ask, because, again, I'm referencing Mike Florio. I'm on ProFootballTalk.com basically on a daily basis, and I think Florio does get good information. He pointed out this weekend that the Packers haven't signed as many free agents as they probably should or need to, And he got an agent to go on the record and say, yes, I talked to the Packers and the Packers said they have interest, but we don't have the money to give you a player right now because we haven't been able to do something. We need to get done first. And the agent believed it was about a Aaron Rodgers contract move. As you told us last week, teams can just redo players contracts if they're just talking about uh, changing regular salary to signing bonus salary no player is going to object because you get the money immediately rather than have to wait over the entire year to get your hands on it. So the teams have the right to do that. They don't even have to inform the player. They just got to start. uh, They got to write a check to give them the money up front and then they can spread it out over how many years they want to with the contract to give themselves salary cap flexibility in this upcoming season. They haven't done that yet with Aaron Rodgers. Why? It, they they could use the money. They could mm. use the cap flexibility. Why? Well, this be- is one of
3: the things that Aaron says. You know, they don't help him. They don't take receivers when he asks for receivers. Uh, they take quarterbacks. You're right. I mean, he'd be willing, in theory, to restructure his deal to help them get closer to the Super Bowl. On the other hand, the Packers probably believe they have built up a good enough team. And they probably should have won another Super Bowl at some point. I think that's the loggerheads you have with the organization. We always talk about shelf life. We usually talk about that with coaches. I think it's a shelf life thing. You know, familiarity breeds contempt. That's what they say, Jody. Mm -hmm. Aaron Rodgers has been in Green Bay a long time. You You know the sentiment. The grass is always greener. I think people look at the other side of that fence and say, boy, I'd like to be there. And when they get there, it's not necessarily what they thought it was going to be. I think that defines that relationship more than money, free agency, coaching. I just think they're tired of each other. And Aaron, by the way, is a pain in the you-know-what. Ask anybody who's ever played with him.
2: Right. But he comes off as a real good guy when he's hosting Jeopardy. And your point about California, I think, is a good one. Therefore, I'll ask you this question before we punch up Ed Kratz. Uh, He's going to be our next guest. If Rodgers is going to be playing elsewhere, we don't believe it's going to be for the 2021 season. He'll be back in Green Bay, and we got to figure out what kind of season we think he's going to have. Don't know that he's going to be a repeat MVP winner, but there's not going to be a drastic drop-off this year for Aaron Rodgers, still playing at a high level. Where is the team and town where Aaron Rodgers is most likely going to be playing in 2022? Is it Green Bay? Is it Philadelphia? Is it somewhere else? Well, I
3: think he'd like it to be California. I think he'd like it to be Northern California, but it looks like San Francisco is going to try to solve their long-term quarterback uh, situation at number three overall. Be hard to imagine whoever they take. And Rick Saratella mentioned Mac Jones. He mentioned Justin Fields. He mentioned Trey Lance be hard to imagine going after Aaron Rodgers a year after that. So Mm -hmm. if you start looking at the other California teams, the other West Coast teams, you know, what teams are contenders? What teams are ready to win that he thinks, you know, that's what Brett Favre did. He didn't want to go to the Jets. He wanted to go to the Vikings. He had to go to, to the Jets for one season, and then he kind of finagled his way into Minnesota. They almost got it done, didn't quite get it done. So you have to look at who's going to be a contender. Um, but if he had his druthers, he'd like to be in California, probably Los Angeles to get that Jeopardy thing kickstarted.
2: You you were so close. You were dancing all around it, and you didn't put the final piece of the puzzle in. dog,
3: nah. oh.
2: Yeah. Northern California. They finally say, Derek Cart, enough chances. We're going in a different well, direction. Well, that's Las
3: Vegas. That's Vegas, baby. That's not Oakland anymore. <laughs> Well, but that's
2: that's close enough. That's borderline uh, California being in Vegas, is it not?
3: It is borderline. But I will say, you know, John Gruden falls in and out of love with quarterbacks quicker than anybody. That relationship is doomed. (laughs) Uh,
2: It might be, but it'd be a hell of a lot of fun. Uh, The marriage part of it before the eventual divorce, as you correctly project. Uh, Grudog and Rodgers... That would be great. That would be great theater in the NFL. All right, great theater right here on Birds 365. McMullen and McDonald with you. Coming up next, Ed Kratz will join us. We'll talk all things NFL Draft and Eagles with Ed Kratz here on Birds 365.
4: If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify.
5: The, the Middle. middle.
7: <laughs> we need a Lil' Maze. Wait, wait, yeah. what was the commercial? Yeah, Harry goes, I don't need a Lil' anything. You'd have Lil' Harry or Lil' Maze. Lil' Maze. And, and you pull a <laughs> string it. and it yes. says, I am out. Or so, like four or five different Maze sayings. Now that's an idea. <laughs> Did you see a Shander doll? It oh, never yeah. stops
8: talking. No, oh, You don't even God. need to pull the string. The
9: Middle with Aton Shander, Barrett Brooks, and Harry Maze. Weekdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. The light from a star can take millions of years to reach Earth. So when you look at a star, you're looking back in time. But I see the future. I see exploration and courage. I see my country finding new horizons out there. And I see giant leaps making a comeback. I see myself. The future is where I'll make history. (laughs)
0: Jody Mack, the legendary sports talker, joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network.
2: Here on Bird's 365, McMullen your mac your mac guys hanging with you. We've still got plenty to uh, decipher and digest today leading up to the NFL draft. Here to give us a helping hand is a compatriot from Sports Illustrated of Johnny Max. Ed Kratz. joins us here on Bird's 365. How was your weekend, Ed?
11: It was fantastic, Jody. Thanks. Got the garage cleaned out for about the 50th time in the last 10 years. Just never ending battle spring time. cleaning
3: that's never that's never a nice weekend Ed. yeah no all uh, right yeah, it was glad, much
11: needed
2: glad you did it uh i need to do it in the worst way because i've only cleaned my garage twice in the last 25 years so today <laughs> that it's a necessary evil yes i would agree with that all right necessary evil for the eagles in this upcoming draft is there one do they have to address something is it going to be a need pick at 12 or is it going to be the best available player
11: That's a good question. Um, You know, I think with so many picks, they have 11 of them this year, and then next year, you know, possibly three in the first round. I I think they could go with a boomer bust type of guy at 12. Um, You know, like like one of those defensive linemen that, you know, there's so many evaluations all over the board with guys like Gregory Rousseau and Jalen Phillips and Quiddy Pay, um, you know, Christian Barmore. I mean, these are all guys that, you know, have that boomer bust potential, and you know we could see the Eagles possibly go in that direction, knowing that they can kind of afford to do that with so many picks later uh, during this draft, and then of course next year when when they have you know at least four in the first two rounds, maybe three in the first round. So, you know, we we could see that coming into play as this try to find a guy that kind of fits their philosophy, which you you know we all know is. Offensive and defensive line—that's where they like to build—is in the trenches. So that you know, maybe they could try to go with one of those boomer bust guys at twelve, and if they think that's too rich, maybe they move back a few spots and try to trade with maybe the Patriots or Bears or, dare we say, the Washington Football Team, um, to make it a little more palatable to take one of those players uh, that have that boomer bust potential.
3: You know, Ed, I know you took some heat for mentioning that name, Christian Barmore, early in the process. All of a sudden, as we get closer and closer to the draft, people are saying, hey, you know what? Barmore's going to go a little bit quicker than people expect for a couple reasons. One, he's a good player, but also it's not a great year to need an interior defensive lineman. So if if we do look at, at you know, defensive line and the Eagles history of building throughout the trenches and the fact that, yeah, they're set up with Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave, but you need that added rotational piece and Hassan Ridgeway has not uh, been able to stay healthy. All of a sudden, uh, Christian Barmore thought, you know, our friend at Sports Illustrated was on the show earlier, Rick Saratella from NFL Draft Bible, He's starting to creep up into people's thoughts.
11: Yeah, I mean, I listen, I think, to me, he's the best uh, defensive lineman in this draft, to be honest with you. I know, you know, he, he, you have to question his motor a little bit at times. At Alabama, he seemed to coast, um, you know, during some games. But there's no doubt he really showed his full potential during the uh, uh, playoffs last year, the college football playoffs. I mean, he really shined. Uh, in those two wins that, uh, that Alabama had on their way to the national title. Um, one of the other concerns I'd have about him is, you know, he's a local kid. He's from Philadelphia, uh, played football at St. Newman Garetti, And, um, you know, I've talked to uh, an agent who uh, represents Kyle Pitts, and I asked him how concerning is it when you have a player that's coming back to his hometown, and we all know Kyle Pitts played at Archbishop Wood High School Uh, in the suburbs and he grew up in Abington played there for his first couple of years. Um, And, and his agent, Andre Odom is his name. And he told me that, you know, it all depends on the individual. Um, You know, Kyle Pitts uh, had a very stable upbringing, a very good upbringing. Um, He didn't think it would be too big of an issue for him coming home and feeling that added (laughs) pressure. Um, We saw it affect Sharif Miller when the Eagles took him in the fourth round out of Penn state. Um, You know, his situation was a little bit different uh, couldn't handle that pressure, couldn't kind of separate himself from, you know, that the the, the people he grew up with um, first. And by the board. way, just, yeah. let, I'll just jump in, Ed.
3: Remember, I think people forget Darryl uh, Worry. Remember yeah. uh, the cornerback who was here for a very brief time, Philadelphia right. kid, got in trouble right in front of the Care complex, didn't even last uh, to, to training camp. So that can have a big, big effect. You're right there.
11: Yeah. And, and, and again, I'm not real sure of Barmore's, um, you know, uh, background, you know, with where he, you know, where he grew up and where he, you know, came from and all that stuff. But I do know he, he went to St. Newman Goretti and, um, was an excellent player there, obviously to land a scholarship to the university of Alabama, but, um, you know, that's another thing that if the Eagles were to go that direction, they're really going to have to look heavily at his background to see uh, if he's able to kind of separate that and just come in as a, you know, a normal player would not feel that extra weighted pressure uh, of playing uh, for his hometown team. So, um, you know, I, listen, I think 12 might be a little high for Barmore, even though he is the best player in this draft, you know, and even a quitty pay. I mean, look at quitty pay. He comes from the university of Michigan where grant Brandon Graham, uh, played and was drafted in the first round right around the same spot where the Eagles are picking, um, they could go in that direction. But, again, I, you know, I think if you're going to go boom or bust, I think you try to trade back a little bit because these guys are still going to be sitting there you know, in the later teens or wherever you choose to move back to. Um, and if you have them all evaluated kind of similarly, Barmore, Rousseau, Phillips, and uh, Barmore – uh, I think I said Barmore twice, uh, but I'm missing somebody there. But if you have three or four guys,
3: Quidipe, yeah, Quicky yeah, Phillips, yeah. yeah,
11: and Barmore, right. So if you have those four guys evaluated in a similar fashion, um, you could try to trade back and get even more picks. You know, I I really think you know that the Eagles and Howie Roseman are going to be very uh, active. Uh, In in this coming draft with 11 picks and knowing what they have kind of stashed away for 2022 uh, will afford them that luxury to kind of move up back, you know, middle, wherever, you know, wherever they need to go. And then you still have Zach Ertz in play here that you could use as kind of a sweetener uh, in any deal to perhaps move up. I I fully expect Zach will be uh, traded at some point during these uh, three days at the end of the month.
2: And interesting that you went down the boomer bus road. And I comprehend the uh, way you're laying it out. Quantity over quality. They got as many picks as they do this year. They've got early picks going forward for 2022. It does give you license to do something like that on paper. But how about a reality check? Should Howie Roseman have the right to do that? To take a boomer bus pick because... Doug Peterson got shown the door. I said all off the, all season as the season was unfolding, a.k.a. falling apart, they needed to do one of two things. Either keep guys together and give them one more shot or get out the broom, sweep it clean, blow it up, and get a whole new regime in here. They split the baby. They fired the coach but kept the general manager, which to me means Howie Rosenman's got to be on a hot seat do you go boom or bust when you're on the hot seat or am I just giving my opinion that Howie Roseman should be on the hot seat? And the truth is because Jeff Lurie has always given Howie Roseman the benefit of the doubt. He's not on a hot seat with the owner.
11: Yeah. You know, (laughs) listen, I, I think he should be on the hot seat, whether or not he actually feels that temperature because, you know, he is pals with Jeffrey Lurie. They've been together forever. He's kind of like, you know, Jeffrey's uh, son at this point, I would say. Uh, So maybe he feels comfortable enough that, listen, let's dare to be great, you know, and when you try to be great, you have to take some chances. Um, You know, look at you guys putting this show together, you know, you're daring to be great. Uh, You know, you got to put yourself out there, right? So, uh, you know, I think that, yeah, he could have that mindset Is hey, let's let's mix this up. Let's stop with, you know, trying to play it safe all the time. And, you know, taking the safe pick um, when we could try to, you know, reach a little bit, you know, in a year where evaluations have kind of been all over the place with a lot of players without, you know, with this COVID environment that's impacted things, there's been no combine. Uh, obviously there's been stops and starts to many college football seasons. So many players have opted out, and you wonder how that's going to make some GMs around the league feel is will they be willing to take a player who has opted out, even if it's for very good reasons? Um, And a lot of these players, I've been on so many of these pro days, I know John has too with these players, and they all seem to have good reasons for opting out. But, you know, is that going to play in some GMs' minds? And how will, you know, Howie and his staff feel about some of the explanations for these players opting out. Um, You know, it's just going to – you're going to have to factor all that in and you're going to have to decide, do we want to reach and be great and hope we hit the boom, not the bust? Let's do it because we have the comfort of knowing we have so many picks that if, you know, we can still try to find some players that maybe are a little bit safer later.
3: Well, I can tell you, that I've been great with the green screen this morning. So I, I there's room for improvement. But <laughs> <laughs> number, number one, I think, you know, what Jody brought up about Howie Roseman. Look, I think the best-case scenario, uh, worst-case scenario for any GM in this league, and I look at Chicago as the best example of this, those guys have to win. Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, they have to win. So when you have to win – a lot of times you make bad decisions because you're looking at veteran players. You got to, Who's going to get you the extra win or two this season as opposed to looking long-term? So while well, I would maybe concur that Jeffrey Lurie should have fired Howie Roseman, now that he's back, he should be able to do whatever he wants and he should be able to build long-term. I think that's the best way to go about it. And when I look at these first two picks, I look at them in concert 12 and 37 and what Rick Saratella said, wide receivers deep again, it's really deep. So I don't necessarily want the wide receiver. If I can't get Jamar chase, I can get a good wide receiver at 37. I can't get a good interior defensive lineman. I can't get a good offensive tackle, maybe a little bit better, but does that, Sean, it shift your thinking if you look at those two picks in concert and saying, I can get the wide receiver later, so let me take whatever here
11: at number 12? Well, we've seen the Eagles get in trouble with that thinking in the past, you know, with the, this great running back class back in 2017, um, you know, and I know they tried to move, you know, get Dalvin Cook, but the Vikings moved ahead of them in that draft. but, you know – If you sit there and you wait too long, and then that little run passes you by, and the Eagles ended up with Donnell Pumphrey, um, you know, Mm -hmm. in in that, yeah, which was which was terrible. Um, But you don't want to, you know, you don't want to say that. Yeah, well, we'll just keep, you know, we'll wait because it's a great class. You know, if you feel that there's somebody there that you really like, and maybe there's a fourth wide receiver, for instance, that that you like, and you say, you know what, he'll still be there. He may not be. So you really kind of have to, to me, I don't think you can wait. You know, I think they did that with defensive tackles in the past, a good defensive tackle draft. They wait too long. Um, You know, you don't want to risk losing somebody you like and just say, well, it's a deep class. We're going to wait till the third round. I think if there's somebody there you want, you'd be be aggressive, and you take him where Mm -hmm. you want to take him. Uh, I could see the Eagles even trading back, and I know this has gained some steam. I've thought this all along is they could – trade back into the first round. You know, there's some candidates there, the Cleveland Browns perhaps at 26, maybe the Jaguars at 25, um, the Bills at 30, and and try to take, you know, a player like Terrace Marshall, who I know they've talked to multiple times. We were on his pro day, and, you know, he said, yeah, he's talked to Philly. Uh, He he didn't say how many times, but the way he said it implied that he's talked to them many times. So, you know, they like Terrace Marshall. He's got that size um, that I think they probably (laughs) need. you know at receiver um but yeah i i wouldn't wait you know i and it's the same with the cornerbacks you know the cornerbacks it's it's a fairly deep class in the first two days and i think it thins out a little bit but if you want a corner and you need a corner if you're the eagles um you got to get them you know, and 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 maybe that's the the safe pick for them at twelve. Is listen, there's three good corners in there. Depending how you feel about Caleb Farley and his back injury, that we're just going to go with the safe pick. We're going to take the corner that we think can be here for the next ten years, uh, and be our guy to kind of replace Darius Slay when this contract. I mean, Darius Slay's cap hit in 2022 is ridiculous. Yeah, um, but you, so you got five corners.
3: You just laid out a great path, though. Say I get you J.C. Horn and Terrace Marshall, that's a pretty good haul.
11: Yes, it is. And I'd be okay with the, that, too. What, when was the last time the Eagles had a great haul like that? I mean, I, I went back, and I, I would think like 2013 when they took Lane Johnson and then Zach Ertz uh, one two in the 2013 draft. That was a fantastic draft. They didn't do much yeah. after that. I mean, think Benny Logan, who gave them some productive years. game some years, out. yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, that was a fantastic one-two punch, and they haven't had that, to me, that one-two punch in a draft since. And that's what they really need is they need to come out swinging, good one-two punch, two guys that can come in and start right out of the shoot, and then you fill in some other gaps with the remainder of it. But it
3: helps when you're drafting fourth overall. Landry yeah. was the fourth overall pick, so yeah, it's and- a little easier when you're drafting number four. And they're Brandy. fourth
2: overall in the second round this year. So, yes, uh, yes the, uh, the the quality of the pick should be up a little bit. I, I need your take on this. Little did I know last year that the coaching staff had as much influence in the Eagles picks as it did. Uh, Howard <laughs> Roseman lets us find out after the fact that the Jalen Rager selection was Kind of dictated to him by the coaching staff that they thought Jalen Rager would be a better fit than Jefferson was. didn't really know that was how it worked with the Eagles. Still don't. Um, New coaching staff, guys who've never been in draft war rooms with big titles before in this (laughs) upcoming draft. The coaches have any say or will they be listened to? I'm sure they're going to be there. I'm sure they're going to give, get their 30 seconds, but will Howie Roseman intake what they say and allow it to influence him at all? How is the coaching staff slash Howie Roseman relationship going to work coming up in this draft?
11: Well, I, I think this is a smart, knowledgeable coaching staff. I really do. They've been in, you know, in this league for a long time in smaller title roles uh, kind of the way you put it there, Jody. But, uh, you know, I hope they do because I think that this is a smart, savvy coaching staff that knows what it wants, knows what it wants to put in place and will kind of help give a fresh set of eyes in that war room. You know, these guys aren't really affiliated with the Eagles. Um, but then you think back to when Chip Kelly came to town and, you know, he wanted to take uh, Deion Jordan uh, in in 2013 and they ended up taking Lane Johnson and he wanted to take Taylor Hart allegedly in the third round. Uh, But Howie kind of talked him out of that and said, we'll we'll take him later. And sure enough, Taylor Hart was there in the fifth round. Probably (laughs) didn't even deserve to get taken there. I mean, great kid Taylor Hart, but just, you know, just couldn't play. Um, So, but that was a different – you know, Chip wasn't real familiar with the NFL. He was coming from the college ranks. I think this is a different animal And Nick Suriani, Shane Steichen, Jonathan Gannon, Brian Johnson. You know, the list goes on with his staff. Uh, you know, these guys are a smart group, and I hope they do listen to them and allow them to give input. And you hope that the coaches listen to it, because I think um, that that fresh set of eyes can help. Uh, how he decide what he's going to do in the draft. I let, me,
2: let me just get this in. Here's my fear. The entire Eagles coaching staff and all that uh, brain power that you just discussed, Ed, will have less impact on the draft than Jeff Lurie. Jeff Lurie will have more impact Uh-oh. on the draft than the coaching staff will.
11: <laughs> it sure seems that's the way it's going, doesn't <laughs> that's,
2: it? Um, that's no question on that one, Jerry.
11: Yeah. I mean, he's going to have probably the final say and it, you know, you hope that maybe he's going to listen to, you know, Nick and company, uh, you know, when they're on the clock, but what confidence do we have in that n- next to zero? No,
3: I I do not have any confidence in that. And, and, you know, for a lot of reasons and Ed, this is not a criticism of Nick Sirianni, but I, I think the year is different. We've talked a lot about the environment and the, preparation for the draft and COVID yada, yada, yada. So I just don't think he has had the time to do the due diligence to have a big impact on this draft, maybe down the road he will. But I think early on, he's got to sit back and trust Howie Roseman and Andy Weidel. I don't see that he's going to have a lot of impact on this draft, but I do think it is interesting that you know, Jody had mentioned how he's saying I had heard it was Rich Scandarello. If you think about it from that standpoint, Scandarello was the guy who wanted Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson. He had only been here for a short period of time. A GM's job is to get players the coaches want. Maybe they will have a bigger impact. And maybe that's what you should do as a general manager. Get the coaches, the players they want.
11: Yeah, exactly right. You know, and Scanzarillo was a guy, and if, if that is true, I, I'm not really sure how accurate that is. Yeah, well, I um, could but he be just,
3: throwing him under the bus on the way out the door. Yeah.
11: <laughs> I, uh, uh, it, it's just that Scanzarillo is a guy that had been around the league for a while, um, you know, and maybe they valued that, you know, that resume, if you will. Uh, of him being around the league. And, you know, you look at Sirianni and his guys, and they've been around the league. They kind of have an idea of what's out there and what they need. Um, And you're right, though. He doesn't – you know, he's sitting in that room, like Jody said, with a bigger title now. You know, how will he adjust to that? Um, You know, we're going to see. I mean, listen, Gannon could come in and say, we had Darius Leonard in Indianapolis who we could move all over the place. And Micah Parsons sure looks like that kind of player. Let's take Micah Parsons, and and then we'll see what Howie and, well, Jeffrey decide to do in that situation if, if that's what they want. And, you know, we talked about this, I think, before. Denard Wilson, their new DB coach, was in South Carolina uh, at South Carolina's Pro Day, and he was one of the coaches that put the players through the drills. And he came away, you know, in love with J.C. Horn. Uh, you know, will that opinion be heard in the draft room? Uh, yeah, you, you kind of hope that it is, and um, but we'll see. I mean, again, this could be how he's saying, you know what, the heck with being safe, we're gonna boom or bust it, and we're gonna go with you know, quiddy pay. You know, Brandon Graham came in here in 2010 and gave us you know, a, a legendary 10, 11 years as a player, he probably will have his number retired. Let's go back to the University of Michigan and take quiddy pay. Fits our philosophy, we're taking him. The heck with. Horn and Parsons and whoever else we feel, uh, you know, might be kind of the quote, unquote, safe pick.
2: Well, you, you know, Sports illustrated quick, guys love yeah. to stay in the trenches. I, I, I'm i not taking that You know, that's that. Gonna I, go you know to Ed
3: knows when Joe Douglas was here, so you'll like this, Jody, because he's obviously the Jets general manager. He and Howard Roseman set up what they called the cohabitation matrix. And they claimed that anybody in the building, if you had any information on any player, whether you were the lowest level of scout and intern, you know we're listening. We have this great collaborative approach. I think the Eagles need the exact opposite. I need their. I need a buck stops here guy, and I need a buck stops with anybody
2: other than Jeffrey Lurie, not Howie Roseman, Jeffrey Lurie. We'll see if that's the way it plays. And last one for me, um, and I think the Parsons scenario, if they were at 12 or even moved up a couple slaps to get him, was more a possibility before they signed a starting outside linebacker last week. Now we're in the deeper stages of free agency, but they did have starting player for a reasonable amount of money in Wilson last week. So I give Harry Roseman credit for getting that deal done. Is there another free agent signing between now and a draft? We're just over two weeks away. Is there another name to be added to the Eagles roster that will then influence their draft between now and uh, December 29th when we get the draft underway?
11: Well, you know, the first part with Eric Wilson coming in, the linebacker, you know, the Eagles have made these off season linebacker signings in the past and none of them have worked out. You know, we've seen it with Corey Wilson or Corey Nelson and, Uh, Paul Warlow and L.J. Fort and Jatavius Brown last year who retired before the season began. Um, You know, I'm not sure I'd put a whole lot of stock in them not continuing to look at linebacker in the draft and, um, you know, just throw it open to competition. And remember, you still have Davion Taylor at linebacker and Sean Bradley, who, you know, you're going to hope can take that step from year one to year two in a new system. Um, that are also on the roster, but I don't think that precludes them from taking a linebacker early. I really don't. Um, but uh, as far as uh, what was it? What was the second
2: question again? Um, Will you know. they sign someone between oh, right. now and the draft? Someone, yeah, I think, another I think, player.
11: Yeah, I think cornerback is certainly somewhere they have to look. Uh, you know, they're going to go. I think it's a two cornerback draft. Like it was in 2017 when they swung and missed on Sidney Jones and Rasul Douglas, I think they go two corners in the draft, but I think they could add a veteran cornerback. And you know, there's still a couple guys out there. And I floated out there Rasul Douglas a couple weeks ago. Listen, you know, he he was a guy that uh, showed to be a a pretty good tackler, a pretty good guy in coverage. You know, you know, in press coverage, couldn't cover deep, but now you're going to play that cover two with two safeties back there. Um, you know, Rasul Douglas could fit and probably would come cheaply at this stage. Uh, and he's just the guy you throw into the mix. Um, you know, at this stage, I don't think you're looking for somebody to come in and start. I think you're coming looking for somebody to come in and, and compete and maybe a veteran who can kind of show some of the younger guys how it's done, but not necessarily be a starter. But I think they could go corner um, at some point you know, in these next two weeks before the draft. And, you know, there's the T.J. Curry kid from uh, the Colts that could interest them. Gary and Conley, I believe, is still out there. Yeah, he's still out
3: there. Steven Nelson. Steven Nelson. Guy, yeah.
11: Yeah, and and the longer these guys stay unemployed, I think their price drops. And Steven Nelson would, could be a, a very good value pick, and he could be a guy that could come in and start. But I I think, yeah, I think they're going to make a cornerback move. If I had to predict and I had to guess – I would say, yeah, they're going to bring a cornerback in before the draft starts on April 29th. All right. Hey. I, one,
3: one more, Ed. One more real quick. couple minutes real quick because I forgot to get your opinion. Look, the whispers keep uh, keep going around Deshaun Watson and the, and the Philadelphia Eagles. Latest was Mike Florio, was Jason Lockenpora. before that. Constant whispers about this team keeping their options open with Deshaun Watson. Does that tell you they don't believe in Jalen Hurts long-term? Well, no, I don't
11: think so. I think it's it's wise to keep your options open. I mean, yeah, they'll keep their options open. Will they do something? I doubt it. I mean, listen, Sean Watson's got, you know, his hands full trying to defend himself against – Not Oakland.
3: necessarily about
11: this year, but next year. Yeah, possibly next year, yeah. But by then, the Eagles should kind of have a better idea of what Jalen Hurts is or could become um, – so, yeah, I think it certainly makes sense to keep the options open. But, you know, he's not going anywhere this year, I don't think. I mean, you know, two weeks until the draft and, you know, he still has, you know, a mountain full of legal issues he's got to scale. So um, I, I just don't think it's going to happen. But, yeah, I think it's wise to keep your options open. I know inside the building, the, the, you know, the thinking on Jalen Hurts is kind of split at this point. Some thinks he's the guy. Some thinks he's not. Um, you know, 2021 I think is going to kind of be the tail of the tape is – we're going to find out what Jalen Hurts is. Um, and if they don't think he can be the guy, then yeah, let's see what DeSean, we'll see where Deshaun Watson is in, you know, February and March of 2022 and maybe make a move for him.
2: And good stuff. Appreciate you coming on board. We'll probably punch up again one more time before we get to the draft. Thanks for coming on, bud. My pleasure, fellas. Thank you. Ed Kratz, Sports Illustrated, here with us on Birds 365. Alright, a couple minutes, we'll come back. We'll have final thoughts. I'll get one or two more out of McMullen before we uh, say adieu. Birds 365, coming right back. Stay here.
4: If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple and Spotify. Welcome to the Wildwoods. The perfect place where you can
5: safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way.
6: The middle, Yo, bro. I know we're gonna get on that, but I, I, I gotta say, happy birthdays to the to the kids in the stream. You know what I'm saying? We we looking, we checking it out. Happy birthday to you your kids, man. You know what so I'm who? Saying? The kids, man. I'm watching the stream, man. What stream? It's double birthdays. You got to keep your eyes yeah. off that. Stream,
2: yeah,
6: man. seriously. <laughs> you have a conversation with the stream, and
7: nobody has any idea what you're. You got to give us That's a why heads up. Get you empty. Because that get yeah. you into it. No, 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 no. We, I, we have I, no idea what you're talking bro. about. So now we're in the middle of something, and it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa! Happy right. birthday! Happy birthday yeah. to who? I have no <laughs> idea what's what's going on right now. I, I can just imagine people listening on Sports Map Radio, just like, what did he just say? Who's action real?
6: Play action real. His son, Nick. Happy birthday, bro. And All right.
7: Now, now, everybody's got a birthday. Joey B's daughter, okay. 16 I know. today. Yeah. I'm mean, right. BS today. Seriously. This is like AC Green selling that he right. was a virgin back with Showtime.
9: The middle with Aton Sanders, Barrett Brooks, and Harry Mays. Weekdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern.
8: The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So, when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org.
6: The future waits for no one, so we refuse to wait for it. We're not just pilots and engineers. We are pioneers. Today, battles are waged in nanoseconds, and planes are piloted from the other side of the world. We turn night into day and fly missions in space. The future's not coming. It's already here. This is the future. Join us and be the future.
0: B-A-T-L-E-S-E-O! Jody Mag. The legendary sports talker joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network.
2: Two underway on Birds 365. We appreciate you tuning in on the Jacob Media YouTube channel or using the link on phillyvoice.com to punch up the Mac and Mac guys talking Birds football with you here. Let's be truthful. We're just trying to get through the fact that the Eagles will be without the unstoppable Nate Sudfeld next year, Mm -hmm. having lost him last week in free agency. Quarterback is the topic of conversation like it is on almost every single show, Uh, and it will continue to be. We've got a good show planned for you tomorrow. Uh, Got a a draft spot, and uh, my buddy, Brandon Lee Gowton, who does a great job covering Eagles for Bleeding Green Nation, will also hop aboard with us. I know Johnny Mackey said earlier you need to work on your green screen game What did you do wrong with the green screen today? I'm still trying to figure
3: out. I haven't had an issue during week one, but I had to move the green screen. I just left it up because it was uh, pretty perfect uh, during the first week. I had to move it because my wife had to do some things. So um, that obviously created some issues. And um, I came out small today. So I'm going to own it. uh, And I'm going to work on my, my green screen game, Jody. And I'm gonna I'm gonna try to get better. That's all I, you can do. You iron like, sharpens iron sharpens iron,
2: you, you I wrote are, about
3: cliches in Philly Voice this morning. So are it makes sense.
2: Such, such a cliché guy. Yeah. Uh, you actually your green screen game is good. I'll take shots at myself because I'm picking out a shirt this morning, and I go, I can't use that one. It's got green in it. Oh, I can't use that one. It's got a little green in. it. It's got a green tinge to it. So I grab a shirt and I figure it's good. Hey, no green whatsoever. I'll be fine idiot red and black behind our red and black background we've got the uh, red and black bricks behind us which makes my shirt basically fit into the background of it no i screwed up my uh green screen well you look like you're you perfectly it, fine
3: now early it was really struggling with the light and the sun coming in well it was really dark this morning really rainy uh, then the sun started to come out. It, it was a tough morning. It was a tough morning for green screens.
2: Well, we got through the green screen game. We got through the show. Uh, we'll, again, uh, look forward to doing it tomorrow. Brendan Lee Gowton is going to be on with us. Will we have any new news? Uh, well, we, we already got
3: new news because the athletic guys uh, came out with a big piece this morning. Uh, Sheil Kapadia, uh, Bo Wolf. Uh, we had Zach Berman on last week, so I'll try to get one of those guys on later this week. But uh, a lot of talk, a, a lot of insight on what went on during those meetings during the week with Doug Peterson and Jeffrey Lorie, and let's just say it doesn't make the owner look that.
2: Really? Okay. Yeah. Less than flattering for Jeff Flori. Huh? Yeah. I shouldn't shouldn't be surprised because, yes, as I said earlier in the show, and I've been saying since it all came down, it had to be one of two things as far as I was concerned. Choice A, choice B. A is you keep both your general manager and coach. Choice B is you fire both your general manager and coach. And of course, Jeff Lurie goes to C. Fires his coach, but keeps his general manager. So uh, if they're uh, suggesting that Jeff Lurie might have uh, somehow botched this thing, I don't even need to read it. I will read it, of course, but I don't need to. I well, already yeah, agreed.
3: it was more like the ringer that Doug Peterson was put through. Win or lose. He didn't do anything right in that type of situation where we, it's been a narrative throughout the last couple seasons. The owner claims he's not getting more involved. The owner's getting more
2: involved. (laughs) Uh, That will be a major topic tomorrow, we can assure you that. All right, uh, looking forward to it. Be back here in just 22 hours for another edition of Birds 365. For John McMullen, I'm Jody McDonald. Have yourself an Eagle Monday, everybody.
4: If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify.